Good evening. Welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I debated mightily on what I should start with today because, frankly, there's so many things that we could talk about. But I'm going to just begin with talking about how clueless uh, certain members of the Biden administration are. Now, we know, of course, that the Biden administration, every single member of the administration was not picked for their competence, um, just like the Democrats when they selected their, well, I don't know why they did what they did, but they're selected because uh, they add up enough points. And so here we have Miguel Cardona, who's the Secretary of Education. Now, of course, the Lib feels like there should be no Department of Education uh, on the federal level that uh, I think that, and I'm still working on it, that it can be proved that since the Department of Education came into being, the quality of education across the country has gone to crap. Okay, not gone to crap. And there are some very, very good teachers out there. There's a lot of very good teachers out there. However, are they allowed to teach what needs to be taught or are they compelled to teach a curriculum that is what the powers that be want to be taught. So, Miguel Cardona, listen to this. He sends out a tweet yesterday. Uh, it's his, as the Secretary of Education, it's his uh, blue check tweet, Twitter. Today's hashtag love teaching theme is Tremendous Tuesday where we are challenged to tell a six-word story that describes why you hashtag love teaching. Mine is... Are you ready? You're not going to believe it. The smile on a student's face. I guess teachers must really be hating teaching right now because obviously... They want kids to be masked in perpetuity. They don't even want them in school. They want them to be home on their Zoom so long as their parents can't be watching at the same time. The smile on a student's face that's not visible to the teacher because of either mask mandate, well, there would be a federal mandate if they thought they could get away with it. And they have in certain aspects, for example, riding a train, riding a bus, riding the airplane, you have to have a mask. By the way, somebody mentioned to me the other day that you get on the airplane with a uh, lollipop and keep it in your mouth. Can't wear a mask over a lollipop because you're eating. How about that? What do you think? Anyway, the reason I wanted to bring up education is all of this garbage that's going on. And now, now there's a David Axelrod, who was a, a political advisor for Obama and uh, for other Democrats as well. Um, David Axelrod has starting to sound the alarm that the Democrats are going to get smoked. And here is a very good indication. Before I tell you what Axelrod said, I just wanted to mention this. Yesterday, 
in San Francisco, California. Not exactly a bastion of conservatism. Three members of the school board were recalled. Successful recall. They're out of jobs. You combine that with what happened in Virginia last November. And you can see where things are heading. They're up to 30 now, the number of Democrats who are heading for the exits uh, in, in the House of Representatives. And I don't even think that scratches the surface. I mean, we, okay, Republicans, of course, have shown time and time again that they're capable of, of uh, screwing up A gift handed to them. But this is about as close as it gets. And if they put forward good candidates in the House and the Senate uh, to run against Democrats, particularly moderate Democrats, but as we just saw with the recall in San Francisco, school board members, progressivism has been checked. Now, David Axelrod said that, of course, parents should have a say in what their children are taught, which, of course, flies contrary to what McAuliffe, uh, the former governor and former uh, candidate for governor that lost in uh, Virginia, McAuliffe said, no, parents don't have any say in that. And, of course, the teachers union thinks that it's ridiculous. And the reason I mention this is I'll never forget my brother was struggling. My younger brother was struggling in school a little bit, which is odd because the guy is freaking genius smart. But he, uh, and so my mom wanted to be in the classroom to watch. Now, I can tell you about the stories about having my left hand swatted with a ruler because I was writing with my left hand. I don't think they do that anymore. Um, but that was a thing in kindergarten and first grade. I mean, swat with a ruler right down on the hand. My mom uh, was struggling with how the teachers were handling my brother, and so she tried to get that. No, you can't come in and, and observe. Well, ding dong, they were wrong. My mom called the superintendent of the school, whom we actually knew. And he said, no, parents are welcome all the time. We encourage it. In fact, the fact that teachers don't want parents to know what is being taught should explain to you perfectly why parents are essentially absolved of failures in education. Teachers' union, of course, is quick to blame the lack of parental support in inner cities. And, of course, that is true. I'm not denying that. But at the same time, the teachers' union doesn't want parents involved. School boards, particularly school boards that are in bastions of progressivism, certainly don't want parents to know what's being taught. It's too bad, you know, that they didn't spend more time on the basics. Reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, things that even though people say you'll never use in life, one, you will use reading in your life. Two, you will use arithmetic whether you consciously are aware of it or not. 
whenever you're doing a budget, whenever you're deciding when you need to stop for gas. How many miles have I driven? My car usually does this mile per gallon. How many miles do I have to go? That's algebra, by the way. Um, and even history. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm biased towards history and the political sciences simply because we don't seem to learn from our mistakes. But yeah, Axelrod, he, he pointed out that, that uh, Democrats need to get off the tracks, that that light that they see at the end of the tunnel is a is a 100-car freight train that's not going to be able to stop. So Axelrod's absolutely correct in his position on that. Um, I actually did make a few notes for today because I wanted to make sure that we talked about everything proper, get it all done in a timely fashion, because there's a lot to going on. I'm up to uh, quite a few hits on the Snake River Lib Facebook page. If you haven't seen it, uh, I did put uh, just a post. It wasn't a, a shared post. It wasn't um, linked to a column. It was just a simple comment. And I'm actually planning on doing more of those. So watch for those coming out ahead. It's the Snake River Lib is the Facebook page name. Go ahead, like it, follow it, share it with your friends if you'd like. Um, wanted to begin... Uh, talking about Republicans and their desire to shoot themselves in the foot. Republicans in the House of Representatives have proposed a bill that would be a bill that a President McCain or a President Romney would have been glad to sign regarding immigration reform. And of course a Democrat would be too, as so long as the President isn't someone named Trump. Their bill proposes that we legalize everybody that's here and that sometime in the future we're going to get around to border security. One of the things I think that may have cost Trump some diehard votes in 2020, I'm not sure that that's the case, but one of the things that may have is the fact that he could have on day one started doing the wall, doing everything that he started talking about the wall. But no, he tried to compromise the Democrats. He tried All he wanted was the wall, and he was willing to give them amnesty for it. Now, of course, we know that there's going to have to be some sort of uh, um, way for those that are here in this country illegally to land and to become legal, have some sort of legal status. And they, there's no way that you could deport anywhere from the 11 to 22 plus million people that are here. And of course, when you figure that we've added 2 million at least this year, alone. Um, that's a lot of deal. But the Republicans, you know, Trump won because of his campaign to end DACA, to, to possibly kick out all the illegals, and to build a wall. And so what are Republicans in the House of Representatives doing? Remember, this is the same bunch that censured Liz Cheney, who, other than impeachment, has like a 90% conservative rating. And Adam Kinsinger, who's uh, some bozo from Illinois. You know, trying to kowtow, you know, you don't tip all your cards to begin with. Let's see. So, 
correction on, well, I didn't actually say they initiated uh, martial law in Canada, but I said that they've got the ability to do so. The Emergency Powers Act, um, initiated by Justin Castro, um, the prime minister, uh, where they can now attack bank accounts. And not only bank accounts with truckers, but they can get insurance canceled. They can they can get um, loans on trucks canceled where you got to pay it off or they'll come and get the truck. Um, also, but not only that, but not only that, but they've, the act allows them to pursue those that are donating money to the truckers that are protesting. It's funny. It seems not so long ago, uh, Justin Castro was, 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 uh, uh, praising a people's uprising in India, very similar event, you know, democracy, all that stuff. But for some reason now, that's not the same. But but you have to understand about about uh, Trudeau, of course, is his real name. I call him Castro because of his of his mourning the passing of Fidel Castro back when he died, as well as his love for how China is able to manage things like dissent. Let me take a look at my time. Yep, I got time to cover one more thing. I want to talk about COVID real quick, and then we're going to go to the break. Actually, specifically, we're going to talk about Sweden. Now, Sweden, as you know, or maybe you didn't, uh, implemented very, very little when it came to mandates from the government. There's a reason that Sweden is frequently ranked as one of the freest countries in the world. It's because they have relatively few regulations. Do they have a a an a sometimes oppressive welfare state? Yes, they do. But the people seem to be content to willing to pay for it. And that's okay. That's their choice. But when it comes to regulation on business, when it comes to equality of taxing, meaning that they that they put a heavy burden of taxation on everyone uh, so that it's much more equal, you know, Sweden actually is much more free. And so that same with COVID. There were no mandates. There were no lockdowns of the government. There was some strong encouragement, of course, you know, if you're somebody who is more susceptible, should stay home. If you are caring for somebody that's that way, you should limit your time out. Sweden has a very high uh, rate of uh, vaccination, uh, but they didn't lock down. They didn't mandate. And so what's happened? Well, as it turns out, Sweden has half the death rate per capita of the United States. What? With our lockdowns and with our mandates. Now, Sweden, you know, just like just like in Florida. Florida, you know, they pulled off a lot of their mandates a lot sooner than everyone. And, of course, doom and destruction were predicted. But as it turns out, while Florida, of course, is not saying, see, we were COVID-free all the time, they're not. They're in the middle of the pack. But you know who they're above? They're above states like New York. They're above... Uh, New Jersey, Illinois, these states had draconian lockdowns and draconian mandates. Florida didn't, and yet Florida is right on par with all of them. So what do you think about that? It could be that the Swedish government trusted its people to do the right thing. Imagine that, a government trusting the people to do the right thing, and I'll be right back. And we're back. I had to go and uh, observe a fact check 
on uh, one of the Libs shared posts regarding the Durham report. I'll just say it, leave it there. They said it's false. It's quite possible that Durham did not actually say that the Clintons paid for it. We'll see what happens. Anyway, um, back to, wanted to talk a bit about COVID because now Project Veritas uh, has a video out where you've got some FDA official who is saying that they want to go to an annual um, mandated vaccine for COVID. Never mind the fact that 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 we are at a point now where if you haven't had COVID, you're going to get it. And depending on your health, of course, there are exceptions. And depending on your comorbidities, um, it may or may not be serious. And, of course, having the vaccine helps. And the Lib has never said, don't get vaccinated. In fact, the only people that have been outright in, well, okay, yeah, you have people that are anti-vaxxers, of course, most of whom are on the left. But the two most prominent people that did the most to discredit the vaccine and are shown for the hypocrites that they are, are none other than then candidate Joe Biden and candidate Kamala Harris for vice president. Those two were vehement about not taking the Trump vaccine. And if you got the vaccine in 2021, guess what? You got the Trump vaccine. And that includes, by the way, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who were some of the first people to get it. Now, how about that? What do we know? We know that what Fauci said initially about masks was probably correct because the CDC has essentially said that cloth masks are worthless, paper masks are slightly less worthless, and that the only real protection against the viral uh, transmission is the N95 masks. And since people are not wearing the N95 masks, they're wearing a essentially uh, a thin t-shirt material across their face, or maybe they're wearing paper masks. You know, we've got a bunch of people walking around with things on their face for absolutely no reason. And the fact that the fact that we have kids in school, they're being forced to wear masks is ridiculous in and of itself. Uh, some more fun follies about COVID. Um, Johns Hopkins University, I, I think I may have mentioned this before, but if not, I should have, uh, did a study on an extensive, pretty extensive study, although it's still being peer-reviewed and such, regarding the effects of the lockdown on the uh, COVID, COVID mortality rates. Now, we also know that the FDA or the CDC has essentially pointed out that they want everybody to go back and recount how many people died from COVID and how many people that had COVID died, because those are two different numbers. And of course, we know at the very beginning for the first 2020 and 2021 that they wanted, you know, that it was to your advantage for your hospital to report the death as COVID because you were compensated more for that. But now they're starting to realize that 
somebody who came in and died from blood loss, but they happened to test positive for COVID-19, likely did not die from COVID-19. You know, there was a meme going around with a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio, and, you know, it says, do you have anything to say before we convict you of murder? And he said, oh, is it true that he tested positive for COVID-19? And it's like, oops, never mind, not guilty. I thought it was pretty funny, simply because... You know, the death toll, we have no idea how many people actually died as a direct result of COVID-19. We do know that 75% of the people that died had multiple comorbidities. So they were particularly susceptible to the disease. We also know that thousands in New York died because the governor, Andrew Cuomo, uh, sent them, sent people that had recovered from COVID or were recovering from COVID in the nursing homes that were completely un unprotected and unable to provide the protection necessary to keep their uh, nursing home from turning into a death camp. Speaking of the uh, Durham uh, uh the special counsel Durham and his uh, and his uh, investigation. Um, you'll find that all the major networks are deathly silent on it, and if they do say anything about it, they point out that you know Russia, 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 right with Trump, orange man bad. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, uh, not feeling particularly well tonight. Um, but this is a nice little juicy piece. Texas, who passed a voter integrity law last year, and it has gone into effect, has found that in one county in Houston, for the primaries that's coming up in March, they've rejected some 39% of the write-in ballot ballots that were sent in because uh, improper identification procedures were were handled. 39%. Let that sink in for a minute. And think about that, and then think about the 2020 election. And not necessarily Texas on that, because actually, you know, as we know, Trump won Texas. But think about states where the state executive branch overrode statute. It just made up their own rules regarding uh, absentee ballots in particular. Now, in case you're wondering what states some of those might be, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Do you get the idea? All these states. And, of course, you're going to say, oh, here we go, 2020. No, no, 2020 election's over. I'm not saying anything like that. But I am pointing out something that I've said from that time, which is, 
that in those states, you could argue that they violated their election laws. After all, it's the state legislature that determines election law, with the exception of Pennsylvania, which which the election law is dictated in, in the Constitution. And the state legislature, when they tried to be helpful regarding uh, making it easier to vote, actually violated the state Constitution by their law. Of course, what what the state what the state legislature did in and of itself probably is not what cost Trump the election. What cost Trump the election was the blatant disregard for what the legislature had passed by the executive branch. It's likely that you can say the same thing about Nevada and Arizona as well, besides those other states mentioned. Again, 2020 elections over. We move on from that. But we don't sit there and say Jim Crow 2.0 because at least in Texas, you've got 39% of mail-in ballots are rejected because of improper uh, ID. Lib, of course, despises early voting. Lib says the only person that, uh, the only way that you should be able to vote absentee is if you can prove that you're going to be out of state on election day. But with the, with the fact that most states, uh, with some Democrat exceptions, of course, because as we know, Georgia law, uh, the Jim Crow 2.0, is much more voter-friendly than, say, Delaware, the president's home state, or New York. Funny you don't hear that in the media, do you? You would think, by the way, that since you have super majorities of pretty much every category you could try to divide our nation by, race, gender, ethnicity, you have super majorities in each of those groups that support voter ID, a photo ID to vote. Where's the people clamoring for democracy there? Shut up and take what's good for you. We know better than you. It's the fatal conceit, as Hayek had mentioned. You're too stupid to know, so you just do what we tell you. Taxation is theft. Inflation, by the way, is a form of uh, tax because government prints more money than it has or they come back, back, back with bonds, etc. Your dollars become worth less. Not worthless yet, but worth less. So whenever you're buying something that costs more, just remember that Joe did that. I'm the Snake River Lib. Good night.